Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Irenic Ref Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. The word Irenic means aimed at or aiming towards peace. And my goal with this podcast is to try to create a bridge between coaches and officials by showing the humanity of each other in a more robust way, which isn't necessarily achievable in the minimal interactions a coach and official may experience during a game. With all that said, let's get to it. Today's guest has been a coach at the high school level for three years. She has coached at the travel and club level for six years. This past year, she led her team to an appearance in the state AA boys tournament, which was the first time since 2017, and her team was the consolation champions of that tournament. Two athletes were named to the all-tournament team, and one of those athletes was also named by the South Dakota Basketball Coaches Association to the first team all-state team as well. Along with all that success, last year she was named the 2023 Region 3 Head Coach of the Year. As a high school player in 2016, she was named the Spirit of Sioux recipient, South Dakota Miss Basketball, South Dakota Gatorade Player of the Year, and South Dakota Female Athlete of the Year. She is no stranger to both realms of the game of basketball since her dad has been a longtime official in the state of South Dakota. She was the seventh person in her family to play basketball at Northern State University and she is also the founder and director of Kusler Clinics. Yes, clinics with a K. Please welcome Brianna Kusler. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm excited for the conversation that we're going to have. And I think this is an awesome podcast um, to really show the the true connection. And uh, sometimes it's often uh, it, people think there's a divide between coaches and officials and really we're we're all on the same team and, and essentially, I mean, it's for the kids. So uh, I know that's cliche to say, but it's, it, it's the reality of it. We, we wouldn't be doing it if we weren't doing it for that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I just want to clarify, it is Brianna Kusler. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. All right. Just wanted to make sure. So I'm not calling you Brianna or Brianna and it's not correct. Brianna Kusler. All right. Yep. And so yep. the first thing I want to jump into is um, you, Many people may not know this about you, and you are a humble person that you don't even write it in the intro. You were, in the state of South Dakota, the first female boys double-A basketball head coach in the entire state of South Dakota uh, to be named that. Um, just tell me about that experience. Um, you know, you mentioned how you were like six years, you're doing travel, you're doing club coaching, founder and director of Cooser Clinics, and then you got offered this position like... Tell me the the, the experience, um, maybe some of the emotions that came with that. You know, I'll let's go back into my college years, um, which was it's getting longer and longer away. It wasn't that long ago, but uh, I'm starting to feel old right now. But um, <laughs> you know, I started acoustic clinics, and my whole goal afterward was uh, it initially just started as a as a gig um, that was would be cover my summers in college uh, as a college athlete it was difficult to hold a steady job um, throughout the school year so that was what um, something I was really passionate about and sparked my interest and was was you know kind of easy because it was something that I was already doing all the time um, and so it really started as a volleyball program because at that time actually 
and there was no NIL or um, the rules were extremely strict within the NCAA that I could not legally host um, basketball camps because I was a college basketball player. And so throughout college, actually, my parents held ownership of Kusler Clinics because of, so I could work for them um, and then still kind of a roundabout way of still doing what we did. But, uh, you know, it was after after college, I was planning to um, kind of take that on full time, which was not something that I intended originally. Um, I really never saw myself as a high school um, or or even college coach. I, at one point I had I dove into the idea of maybe um, seeing how far I could take the either playing uh, by going overseas or doing uh, collegiate coaching. But then I, I kind of just started to realize what was all involved in the recruiting element and and the travel, especially at the, the Division II level or, or lower. Uh, the travel involved in recruiting is just insane. You don't, you're not um, fortunate enough to be flying private everywhere. Um, but so that kind of deterred me a little bit from from taking the college route, but I really did not ever see myself in um, the high school level. Uh, and Scott DeBoer, who was the girls basketball coach in Pierre before um, Kirk Bebout is now, and he he had called me up and he was there. His family was moving to Watertown and. Um, kind of wouldn't leave me alone about at least just applying um and i i said all right sounds good i'll i'll try it and long story short i i did not have um get the girls job but i ended up coming on as an assistant for terry becker um and the boys program i was the sophomore coach uh that my first year on staff and then uh coach becker had taken a, a year off before then joining the girls program. He couldn't stay away for very long. Um, and then uh, and then I took over. Um, and so it was a pretty quick turnaround and something that I really was pretty set on it being a one and done year. I would I would help them out um, and and you know get that experience but then i would end up being back in aberdeen and just continuing to pursue what i had originally planned and again it goes back to god's plan is far greater than anything that i could ever dream up so um ended up falling in love with the the town of pier um the area in pier the the school district i'm really fortunate to be surrounded by some incredible um coaches that are that are within the peer school district and then just building some some friends that i never would have ever had if i didn't come this way and now uh i i'm living in paradise and i uh, couldn't wouldn't wouldn't want it any other way so that's kind of been the story long long story to get to where we are right now and um you know it was never when i applied for the head job it there really were never any conversations or it never even really crossed my mind nor did it i i didn't even know that i would be the first head woman or the first female um head boys coach um I'm, 
I'm being honest, I think it was a lot of overkill on, on interviews. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that were like, oh my goodness, another story. It's the same thing over <laughs> and over. And I just would like to say that on the record, I was the same way. So <laughs> you guys, people that rolled their eyes, I was right there with you. So, um, you know, I, I do think that it's something that I'm proud of. Uh, wasn't something that I necessarily intended for. Um, but I, I think that there can still be really positive things that come about from it. And hopefully it encourages somebody um, in their journey of, of coaching or, or anything to, to just follow your heart and follow your passion. And, and regardless um, of who's in what position, I think that overall it needs to just be the best candidate for the job is, is what the way that I see it. Um, and whether that is a female, a male, um, in whatever profession it is, that's really what it, what it comes down to. And, uh, I'm really fortunate to be surrounded by some tremendous coaches as well with, uh, on my staff. And then just throughout the state that have really eased the transition of, um, I mean, I was 23 years old when I took over a, a head coaching position. I, I was young and, I mean, still at 26 right now, It's uh, I, there's a lot of learning curves that I'm still uh, navigating. But uh, if I didn't have the support system and the, the colleagues that I have an opportunity to work with, I, I would be where I am right now. Yeah, and I, I want to press in a little bit further on this because I, like we, I talked about it. In 2017, that was the last time the Pure Boys had been to the state tournament. And I had officiated the pure boys in the past. There just wasn't like a, there wasn't like this giddy up. There wasn't like this response from the coaches. What do you think you brought to the program that coaches, and I'm not, I don't want you to bash other coaches. That's not the point of this, but I feel like there's something, there's a change in there within the past three, four years. Well, this is going to be your fourth year, but somewhere in that range of that three years, where it's like something happened where something flipped and people were like, okay, we can make it to state. We are state contenders. We have a chance to do something great here. What do you think uh, you brought to the table that, that made that happen? You know, Pierre really, they, they've always had really good athletes and they've really, they've always had really good coaches. And, and um, you know, it's one of those things where Coach Becker, I learned so much from him and, and what he had. He was coaching in that position. I believe he was on his 17th year. And it, as anybody knows, in, in a, it, it's a demanding job. And to to expect everybody to be just over the top gung ho about it, especially in a place like here, um, where I and I mean that wonderfully. I think there's there's a lot of incredible things about here, but it's also we don't have a university here, so this is this is people's Super Bowl it is and. For the longest time, I mean, it's South Dakota basketball. There's nothing else to do in the middle of winter. So um, they get really excited about that. And um, But, you know, I, I don't think that it was anything to do with Coach Becker, but I do think that there was, it, at times, kids kids now are like the just a renewed um, excitement. Uh, and yeah. I think that would have come with, anybody in a position um and it was just something coach becker is doing incredible things now with our our girls basketball program and he he really lays the trail in uh, in our boys basketball program and what he established um we've just been able to build on really and um i think part of it is um for for me when i came here i was young and i he's got three kids and i i mean he's he's spending a lot of time at home I, I don't have any kids or anything. So I, 
I was able to spend a lot more time developing our youth program um, and then kind of starting there. And we're still in the early stages of that. That's going to be an ongoing process year after year. Um, but, you know, just getting kids excited about being a, a governor basketball player and and that we've also had really tremendous uh, wrestling programs. So not not letting wrestling steal some of our kids <laughs> who should be playing basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our six, five kids don't need to be wrestling. But uh, sorry, Sean, um, I'm going to start <laughs> stealing any kids that are are above a certain height. <laughs> Yeah. So you're just thinking like a, a, a renewed sense of can it something new, something maybe younger and not again, no hit on coach Becker, but just something different. It always kind of bring a new spark to anything. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I think it would have been uh, anybody who was able to step into it. Uh, it's you, you have a tremendous community support behind you. Um, and, and again, yeah, just like you said, just kind of a renewed sense of excitement and, and, finding that joy of basketball again. And I mean, my goodness, uh, I, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to officiate in peer, um, but that is a, that, that really is a, an experience, especially, I mean, when we have packed house in there, standing room only, it is, it can get really loud and really rocking. And I, I loved it when I was playing against them yep. and yep. I, I love it as, as a coach as well. Um, I think that there's, I, I kind of thrived off of the 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 villain um, uh, the villain role, and uh, even I don't know I probably was, I never could talk trash or anything like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't have been good at that. But um, you know it was it was so fun to play in, and now I mean my goodness you you've got a big home crowd advantage certainly, um, and you saw that this year as we hosted the Sodex sixteen yeah. matchup, and um, you know there's. There's times, obviously, we talk to the boys about you. You can't go based on the crowd. Uh, you can't can't be up and down with the crowd. You've got to be steady Eddie throughout everything. But um, there's certainly the the element of um, an advantage when the crowd does get involved in things and they're they're getting pretty hyped up. And you know, we were we were fortunate to have um, over the last couple of years, some tremendous athletes who have gone through and first year I had one senior and then last year we had eight seniors. So, I yeah. uh, just kind of, and that, that's how you see it in peer really. And you're gonna, you're gonna have years where we, we don't, we don't produce the same amount of kids as some other places might, um, especially in the Sioux Falls area. But, uh, you know, we, we've been really fortunate. We still, I mean, we have a lot of kids coming up that are athletes as well but um that's been something that those the last couple of years having the athletes that we did um was was awesome yeah and and i and i remember being in pier my sister i i believe you know her she played at huron for a little bit obviously yeah. the atmosphere at pier is incredible and going out there for some states and things like that it, it was awesome but yeah speaking of that like my sister you growing up going to high school, playing in those facilities. Like, tell us more about, you know, yourself, where you grew up, uh, who your family is, some of your hobbies, other things like that. Yeah, I I grew up in Aberdeen. I was, um, I graduated from Aberdeen Central in uh, 2016. I played volleyball, basketball, and I ran track for all four years of high school. Um, and then I went on to Northern uh, and played basketball for four years and then graduated um 
quite anticlimactically during COVID in 2020. And uh, I remember submitting my final paper and we, we didn't have a walk or anything, graduation <laughs> or anything. So it was uh, very anticlimactic, like, oh, I, okay, I guess we're done now. But, um, you know, I, I come from a family that is very sports oriented. I grew up in a gym um, and that has been, been the biggest blessing in my life. Uh, I think there's so many uh, incredible things that can be uh, learned in within sports and um, just relationships that you form in that. Uh, but I mean, my from a young age, my parents in city league basketball or, or city league volleyball or anything like that, I, I would be in the corner um, and I, I, they just bring my toys and 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 then my siblings as well. And I so I have three younger siblings. I'm the oldest of of four. And my brother Brandon, he is actually a graduate assistant uh, baseball coach at Northern right now. He played baseball at Northern. And then my sister is a junior right now playing volleyball at SMSU in Marshall, Minnesota. And then my youngest brother who. Um, I, I'll talk about him a little bit later too um, and the connection that we've been able to have over the last couple of years, but he is um, a senior now at Harrisburg and he is a basketball and baseball kid. So, um, but, you know, you had mentioned in the, in the intro, uh, I was the seventh person in my family to, to play basketball at Northern. And I was always going to be that person that broke the trend and it was just unbreakable to be able to like I wanted to be different and and go somewhere else and but I ended up at Northern and I, I had a wonderful experience over those four years and um, I wouldn't change it for the world it really has has given me opportunities that uh, I'm forever grateful for but that was that's kind of my background growing up and now I am a preschool teacher and at Chalk Preschool. And then I also do in in the summers, I help out with uh, a mowing company and just kind of got some odds and ends jobs everywhere, kind of yeah. something new every day. So it's it's exciting. Yeah, it, it, it kind of sounds like officials and some, you know, how we do that as well, have yeah. different jobs here and there. Um, but yeah, you, you talked about how you got involved and started in your coaching. Maybe maybe tell us now some of the people that influenced you. You talked about Coach Becker. Were there were, Did some coaches at NSU kind of uh, push you into that realm or kind of give you some like, hey, I think I could do this? Or what What all started that? Was it the clinics and then and the, and the um, your your travel ball? What, what other like coaches influenced that? You know, I would say there's, there's two people who were instrumental in, in really encouraging me and um, sparking that that love of coaching and you know finding finding something that I didn't necessarily see in myself and and there's been a lot of people and you know that's a true gift I I've always I I have a lot of um, appreciation for people who who can find something that you're going to be good at before you have any idea. Um, and, and you're going to love, um, and that, uh, you'll be passionate about before you even have any clue. And, you know, what two coaches who come to mind right away are, um, my, my high school basketball and then my first college basketball coach, um, my, so high school it's coach Don Seiler. And uh, I think anybody that knows, I mean, South Dakota basketball, South Dakota girls basketball, especially, but um, knows who Coach Siler is. And 
um, both Coach Tyler and Coach Fredrickson at Fredrickson was there before he retired um, after my second year. So, um, and then I had Coach Kruger after that. But um, both of them, they're really very similar styles, and they probably would hate if I compared the two. Um, but <laughs> just because that's how they are. But they are very old school style. Um, what you see is what you get, and they're going to tell you like it is. And that's something that. Um, I've always appreciated they they hold everybody to the same standard and and accountable to to the expectations of their programs um, and and they're both just very passionate about what they're doing and and how they they help kids and now um, Coach Fred has retired and and Coach Tyler is now the athletic director at uh, Aberdeen Central and you know they again they they really found something that I didn't necessarily see in myself uh, right away, but I'm so grateful for, for all that they did um, as far as instilling a, a passion of, of not only just competing in, in sports, but also kind of, you know, coming full circle and being able to give back to the, the game and the sports that have given me so much. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting to hear your story. It's a little bit different than most people because most people it's like, okay, my dad's a official. So I think I, I'm probably better fit in the officiating realm or, you know, I've played college basketball, so I think I'm going to go in the officiating realm, but it's different. It's, I, you know, I was, I was inspired by my high school coach, my college coach, and now I'm into this coaching realm. And it's just interesting. I think yours is a different story than, than, than most people that have that official as a, as a parent, but uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. That's that's what makes these stories fun. Um, but along with fun stories, tell me something about your coaching experience where you you've just had a fun experience, whether that's with a player. With um, if if you want to, we can start first with like maybe players, and then we'll we'll move on to officials. If you had another fun experience with them, yeah. Um, well, first first really fun experience actually happens to be um, from our our club volleyball program, which is KKVC, and um, I've had a chance to take um, four different teams, but three different times head down to um, Orlando, Florida for AAU nationals. And wow. um, we've been fortunate to, in, in the divisions that we were in, uh, place in the top 10 every time. So it's been uh, in one, this would have been two summers ago, um, we actually competed for a national championship. So we were in the championship match and um, we ended up getting runners up. And that was a, an experience that as a coach, you know, you when you talk about club sports and I think that there's um, at times there can be there, there's programs that can make it a negative experience. And, yeah. and we really we our goal with our, our club program and then just any of our other programs within Kusler Clinics is to provide an experience and an extension from the high school realms. Instead of competing with, I, th I think kids need to make sure that they're involved in a lot of activities. And the, the last thing that we want to produce is single sport athletes. Um, and and some people will will disagree with with that idea and, and especially in today's society, but um, we we really do our best to work around high school sports and and we don't start until after basketball season because we have so many kids who are involved in in high school basketball or or anything um, else in the winter and then 
um, we're done before track wraps up because we want them to be able to golf or, or be tracksters in the spring and um, and really not conflict with that. So um, while while that experience was so awesome, it was the, the one thing that we heard over and over, we've been uh, hearing whenever we go down there is is coaches and college coaches in particular who, who watch our kids and immediately can see that they are multi-sport athletes just based on how they um, physically are built and how they're they're maneuvering their bodies and everything. And, and we've gotten that same, um, uh, the, the same comments in the basketball season as well as the, the physicality, especially um, I, I mean, basketball, anybody who says basketball isn't a physical sport is not out, out there on the floor. <laughs> yep. um, it certainly is a physical sport and I mean, it, as it should be in that, I mean, we're not playing football out there, but um, it's, it's definitely one of those things where, especially when you get some of those guys in there, you, you got to let them bang a little bit. Um, and, but I, I think that, those those experiences going to the national level and being able to compete is something that I'm really glad that we had an opportunity to provide those athletes and and parents who are involved in that as well. Um, so that way, I know that's volleyball related more than anything. But then the other thing that I personally have really um, had an appreciation for is I got to coach my sister um, in club volleyball before she went on to college. And then I am coaching against my my youngest brother, Braxton, when they, my parents had lived up in Aberdeen forever and they moved down to, to Sioux Falls or the Harrisburg yep. area two years ago. And um, so I actually coached against Braxton when I was the sophomore coach at against Aberdeen Central. And then I, the the last couple of years when he's been at Harrisburg as well. So, um, you know, those, those things, seeing my, my other brother getting into the coaching world now and, and developing as a coach is, is something that is, is really fun to see. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been really blessed to be surrounded again by a lot of really cool people, but I think that um, something that I at times forget about is how, how awesome not very many people get to experience what I do. And I know my parents, it, they can't stand it. They can't wait until we're not coaching against my <laughs> siblings anymore because my, my brother, Brandon, as the baseball coach coaches against Braxton in baseball too. So they get, it's a double-edged sword for them. They're, it's not enjoyable. They don't, they don't like it at all. So yeah, but those, those, I think from a, from my player standpoint um, is, definitely two that come to mind right away of just uh, how, how neat it really is to um, and what the coaching world can really bring you. Yeah. And you talked about your dad, obviously an official um, you, you probably had many memorable interactions with him. Is there a memorable interaction with an official you've had besides him? Maybe it's me. It doesn't have to be me, but is there one that you can think of uh, that's a memorable interaction with an official? You know, I, I mean, the state tournament for, for us and being, um, correct me if I'm wrong, this was your first state tournament. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. So, so we both kind of had that uh, connection of, um, of being able to, to experience the state tournament as, as an official and as a coach. Um, so that, but then, you know, something uh, that I think is really neat now, and I, I don't really have the too much of a connection 
to the other coaches from my playing times just because I was on the girls' side and most yeah. of them have always been on the boys' side. Um, that, that hasn't, uh, I mean, it still allows us. We've been uh, able to connect on many different levels still. Um, but we, you know, it's the, the interacting or the interaction, excuse me, with officials who officiated me and um, especially as a, as a player, um, but then ones who just have a really good relationship with my dad and then a connection there and longtime friends and stuff. Uh, that's always been really enjoyable. You know, I'm, can I get after officials at times? Absolutely. Um, but it's more like I've, I love the conversations and the, the, just being able to, um, talk to them as people. And that's something that I really appreciate, um, that you guys do as officials is, is you're willing to have the conversations and, um, you're willing to, to not only, um, I mean, give us the reasoning of things, but also like, we don't, yes, we're in the middle of a basketball game, but Hey, how, how's the wife and kids doing? Or yeah. so, you know, I can, I can just, uh, have that, that human conversation, human interaction within the, the intensity and the, um, the thrill of the game and stuff too. So, and, and that doesn't happen without, um, good genuine people and, and just having those relationships formed, um, prior to that, which, which comes from things like this, which is why I am such an advocate for for what you're doing with this podcast awesome yeah i appreciate that and that's a, a big thing too is and I, i'm working at that as well i'm one of those people that is like man i think i need to like see a coach as a person because sometimes i'm just in the zone and calling calls and and how could you not see that that's what i called but you know i'm not understanding okay <laughs> you know the opposite side of that is your coach um it's not like a livelihood is at stake but you have a career in this and you want to keep it. And so we got to be able to understand each other. And I just sometimes forget that as well. So that's part of the reason, again, why I'm trying to do this um, as well. And and so speaking of rules or speaking of missed calls or calls in general, um, what's a rule that, I mean, it, whether it was the time you were playing, that could be in college as well, but maybe at the high school level, what's one that you saw that you was you were glad that was added? And then along with that, after that, what's one that you wish – uh, was either removed, modified, or you just don't like it all. So the the rule that I think across, and we've had it for a while, but um, they've um, mandated it across the the U.S. is the shot clock. Um, mm -hmm. I think it has improved the uh, the game tremendously. The the speed of the game, um, you you can't just. I mean, you're not seeing the games that end in four to six um and, yep. and you're just uh the, the possessions are a lot faster even though i mean my goodness 30 35 seconds is a long time um yep. really but it's there, there's also some strategy involved as far as um i mean if you can get somebody struggling in the backcourt for eight nine seconds well yep. all of a sudden they're they're down to um you know before before they're starting their shot clock calls, I mean they got they got to hustle into their um, into their offense pretty quick. So you know I think that shot clock overall has definitely been a positive addition. And the the rule that I think I'm I'm interested to see it's actually one that'll come into effect this year. Yeah. And that is um, the the 
going and, and it's something that actually I um, had experience with my last two years of college because they changed the rule in um, for women's college, but that is the automatic double bonus after the fifth foul of each quarter reset each quarter. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't love it. I, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I loved it as a player because I, I, was a pretty good free throw shooter. Yeah. So I'm like, awesome. I had automatic two shots. Sweet. Um, but I think that there's a, you know, we've, and and this is coming from somebody who has coached teams that have lost um, some heartbreakers because we couldn't put the ball in the hoop um, on one-on-one free throws. Um, yep. It, it cost us a, a trip to the state tournament my first year. Um, but so would I have loved to have two free throws in those situations? Yes. But I don't know. I just what what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm uh I'm indifferent at the moment because I think it'll be a lot more strategy for your level. Um yeah. I'm not saying it's not gonna be more strategy at the lower levels. I just think that it'll in my opinion, it's gonna benefit the game a little bit better in the lower levels. And in, in the higher levels, it's gonna be more strategy when it comes to that that sort of gameplay and how do you prevent but also um like strategically foul in certain situations so i that's that's my perspective on it i i really don't care either way i'm just calling fouls and calling you know things and then throwing the ball for them to shoot the free throw so i mean i'm indifferent either way sure you know it's it's one of those i i didn't love um their reasoning of it initially which was protection on rebounding and things like that to where i mean how many injuries take place because of rebounding off of free throws i mean is and I think that there's, I mean, if we're we might as well wear helmets out there. Then goodness <laughs> great if we're gonna start and, and bubble wrap because you're not gonna prevent everything. But yep. I don't know. I think yeah, I think there's gonna be some strategy involved, and um, you know, there's nothing worse than getting to, you've got two fouls and you need to get the team to seven fouls previously. So yeah, you know, I I do think that I mean there's that's still quite a few fouls too. Uh, I mean. 10 fouls now, um, obviously, which that, that still adds up. Yeah. But, yep. um, and I definitely think you, you're going to see first and third quarters. I don't think you're really going to see an impact on it. Um, but I mean, goodness, you, you get into six, five, six minutes left in a, in a game and you're in, you've hit five fouls. Like that's, you're sitting pretty good right there. Um, certainly you, you're definitely telling your kids to, to get yourselves to the free throw line because that's, uh, I, I like my chances with kids shooting, um, two free throws. Definitely. <laughs> so I, I don't think that it will, it will remove, uh, by any means the, um, the emphasis of free throws and the just hand. I mean, we've spent so much time on free throws. I, I mean, it's yep. a, there's loads of practice time dedicated to it. So it's, uh, and I, I'm sure other coaches are the same way because they, it, they're crucial and being able to knock those down. So, I mean, but to put a solid football, or excuse me, solid football coach, solid free throw shooter um, at the line and knowing he's got two shots, I'm going to like that, but I'm not going to like it when it's on the flip side. So, yep. but yeah, it'll be good. Absolutely. One last quick question. What's some advice you give to a newer official? Um, that's whether they're just a new in the double A new official, what's something you would give them from a coaching perspective? I think it's something that has always, um, for, for me as a coach has, 
kind of somewhat calmed me down is is just being able to keep that communication active with um with the officials uh so keeping your communication um open with the with the coaches to an extent obviously yep. it, it's and that those are those are conversations that are with in dead ball moments and and mm -hmm. things like that where where you're able to um uh, but i think that it, it it's not a but by having that conversation, um, you're you're able to kind of um, remove the high and mighty um, persona that sometimes um, coaches and officials both can carry. And I think it just humanizes everybody. And hey, we're we're all in this together. Like we want to do what's best for you. Um, and and on the flip side, I mean control your kids absolutely meaning we control our kids um but then if you've got something come to me and so i think early on that's that's been the best thing um for me too as a coach just being able to communicate with the officials and um because things are different on the sideline I, i've learned that from a playing standpoint versus a coaching standpoint it's it, things look a lot different and if you uh it, things look different as a as an official out there than they do from the from the sidelines. So, uh, I think that that would definitely be the biggest advice I would give them is to to be able to maintain that that open communication and um, obviously be the be the police of it. But uh, that that's something that can continue to grow our game as well and and hopefully encourage more to come out for both coaching and officiating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate your time this evening. Rihanna, appreciate you coming on. Any last words? No, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, everybody. This has been the Irenic Riff Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross, and we'll see you next time.